Here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Good! The Bulls win! They win! Don't you open your mouth about the best. Oh, yo, I'm going to send it for you real quick. L-O-B. Listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game. Not a game. Not a game. We're talking about practice. Lewis gets it to LeBron for three for the win. Yes! LeBron James at the buzzer! mindset when you stepped in the batter's box? Go yard. I mean, I'm a pitcher. Why not swing as hard as I can? I got nothing to lose. It's nothing to man above. Don't put you in situations that you can't handle. Instead of saying, why me? They're saying, this is what he want me to do. And, uh, Cleveland! This is for you! The way we approach the game is the same way we approach life. You do the right thing. You make the right play. Make the right play. And in life, it's the same thing. What do you feel in your heart is the right thing to do? And you do that. You know, it seems so simple, but sometimes the simplest things are the hardest things to do. And um, uh, I think it's just that. Welcome to what? The game. Me. To me. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of What the Game Means to Me. I'm honored and excited to have my guest with me today, two-time author, former pro player overseas, and also the founder and creator of Athletes Unheard, Mr. Malcolm Lemons. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing fantastic, Jelani. Appreciate the opportunity, man. Yes, of course, of course. Um, I, I've been following you on, I think, on LinkedIn for you know a little bit, a few months, and uh, been Really, you know, tuned in, excited about the work that you that you're putting out with, uh, like I said, your new, uh, new platform, athletes unheard, and I feel like it's definitely an important topic and subject that you know everyone needs to you know pretty much be aware of and be and be talking about, um, especially in the sports world. Um, sure. But before we kind of get you know, you know dive into all of that, uh, the first question I always uh, love to ask my guests: the name of the show is what the game means to me. I know you're a former pro player, uh, you know former basketball player, played uh, in college as well. Um, so what does the game uh, or sports just in general mean to you? That's a good question, man. I, I think it means a lot. You know, I, I think about where my life would be if I didn't have basketball. And, you know, for a long time, I didn't have an answer to that. Basketball was my saving grace, and it gave me opportunity to build a lot of relationships and, mm-hmm. you know, travel the world and just get exposed to so many different opportunities. So, uh, sports in general, man, I think, you know, it's, it's a you know, cultural connector. It brings people together. And I think this world is a better place when we're able to engage and, and watch our favorite teams and follow our favorite players. And, and really just um, sports just means so much to me personally. And basketball, you know, in particular, has done so much to, to, to make my life better. Yeah. Yeah. I um, also wanted to follow up, follow up that I'm going to read some of your status out later because I saw something I was reading up on you. I think you won like four straight. Was it? Nat or Washington DC, um, is it titles or tournaments? Uh, I gotta look back at it, but um, I guess with that, you know, growing up and playing basketball, who like was the I guess your favorite athlete, anybody that you looked up to, anybody you modeled your game after, um, in particular? 
So originally, man, most people don't know I wanted to play in the NFL. So I was a big Marshall Falk fan growing up. Oh, um, yeah. LaDainian Tomlinson. But when I mm-hmm. uh, started to become more passionate about basketball, T-Mac was my favorite player. I love mm-hmm. T-Mac, man. He was he was it for me. And so as far as athletes go, he's like the pinnacle. Um, and I try to model my game after him and everything. would get all his mm-hmm. shoes and everything. So I would say T-Mac was the athlete that I looked up to the most out of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, anybody else. Yeah. I love me some T-Mac as well. I know a lot of people, you know, a little upset when you got that injury bug, you know, start getting a little injured, hampered with knee, um, ankle, and a back spasm, I think, uh, started in, in Toronto. Right. Um, and a lot of people figured, you know, his career would have, you know, career path would have went a lot different, um, you know, if, if he wasn't injured. Even that, even though we got an old, because I'm an Atlanta Hawks fan, even though we got a really old Tracy McGrady, I was even excited yeah. that he uh, was here for, for a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I um, – Found actually a stat that I was talking about. You know, you won four straight Washington D.C. Classic championships and uh, three straight Al- Alhambra tournaments. Alhambra, yep. Yeah. Um. You know, they, they say there's two uh, highly prestigious tournaments in your area. Kind of. Um. I guess talk about that. Like, what was it like? Um. You know, most people don't win four straight of anything, honestly. So, what was I guess the experience? Uh. You know, behind all that. Yes, yeah, so I was. I was very fortunate to play at. Uh, arguably, you know, the most competitive high school basketball league in the country, the the WCAC uh, is what we call it. And, you know, I had an opportunity to play against guys such as Quinn Cook, um, Mm -hmm. Victor Oladipo, Jeremy Grant. Um, I played with guys such as Tyler Thornton, who went to Duke, uh, Cedric Lindsay, who's top five all-time leading scorers at Richmond, Ian Hummer, who's all-time leading scorer at Princeton. So just phenomenal talent, you know, guys who, you know, really could play the game. And, uh, playing at Gonzaga, which is high school I went to, I just got mm-hmm. exposed to a high level of competition early. And that just really fed my drive to, you know, want to play at the highest level, um, playing, you know, at, at such a competitive high school, you know, league. And so uh, we were very successful, man. We were top 25 in the country. Um, my junior year, sophomore year, we were actually top three in the country. And then mm-hmm. senior year, I think we were top 40. So mm-hmm. um, when I was in high school, man, we were playing against the best players in the country. And having that exposure is really what uh, drove me to want to continue playing basketball at a high level. Yeah. So it, again, just uh, accolades, you can't, you know, really you know, bat an eye at, like I said, four straight, three straight. That's something most people don't do. And like you said, against the top athletes in the country you know you just name dropped a few guys they're in the league right now some of you you know former all-stars former champions so that i know was definitely special to be a part of with that as well um you say you know you transitioned from high school of course you played basketball in college as well at uh niagara university and then um went over to uh csmu um as well i guess kind of talk about that journey because i do know because i was doing a little bit of research in that you know niagara i think uh you know you dealt with the few, you know, trial tribulations with injuries and I think getting sick as well. So kind of what was uh that, what was that like, I guess, going through that? I don't know if you, you know, ever had to experience, you know, many injuries or sickness uh, through your basketball playing career days, but uh, I guess what was that like? And then how was, uh I guess, the the mental aspect, how were you able to get over that hump in order to, uh when you did go to CSMU, you had probably your best, at least statistical um game or games in season. Um, there in college. So kind of, I guess, what was that journey like? Yeah, you know, in hindsight, um, you know, I don't know how I made it through. It was extremely challenging at the time. And, you know, being a freshman at Niagara and thinking my college experience was going to go one way and it goes, you know, the total opposite of what I imagined. And, 
you know, we were thrown into the fire my freshman year. I think we were the third youngest team in the country. So I was starting wow. as a freshman and that was a big reason why I wanted to go to the school. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was an opportunity to play right away. And it was, you know, we lost a lot, you know, it was learning mm-hmm. curves and going into my sophomore year, I was, uh, you know, going to be one of the best players on the team and mm-hmm. uh, play very well in, in our exhibition games and first game of the season. Uh, you know, we went into overtime and won, got into the locker room, had a sore throat the next day. Um, you know, the, the trainer told me that I had mono. And so I, oh, I didn't even know what mono was, but yeah. I knew I had to sit out for, for, you know, several games. And that really kind of mm-hmm. uh, deterred my sophomore year. I tried to come back, probably should have registered it, but I didn't uh, being stubborn yeah. and uh, I was out of shape. And so my sophomore year was, you know, more, more ups and downs. And then junior year, you know, which is a big year for a lot of guys who mm. want to play at the next level. Um, I had a bad ankle injury and it really bugged me most of the season. And so my minutes were really up and down and you know, it, was, it was just a lot of adversity and obstacles. But mm-hmm. I think the whole time I had my tunnel vision set on that dream of becoming a professional athlete and I was going to run through a brick wall to achieve that goal. And so um, I ultimately ended up transferring mainly because I felt like I needed a fresh start. And mm-hmm. uh, my junior year after we lost um, to Maryland and NIT, uh, coaching staff had called us in the locker room one night and told us they were all leaving. Uh, so oh, the whole wow. coaching staff departed. Um, eight players ended up transferring, including me. Jeez. And I went out and took a leap of faith, man. Went mm-hmm. to Cal State San Marcos, South San Diego. Didn't know nothing about the school. Didn't <laughs> never been to San Diego before. Yeah. Um, just knew they had beautiful weather. And exactly. I wasn't <laughs> going to complain about that. But, you know, I got to give a shout out to one of my my former teammates who really was the 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 plug to get me out to, to Cal State San Marcos, um, you know, he he had went out there um, and, and basically just told me like, hey, you'll, you'll have an opportunity to play, um, mm-hmm. you know, you'll you'll love it out here, uh, just give it a chance. And so I went and like I said, took a leap of faith and ended up having the best year I had playing basketball. Um, and so that, that was really what afforded me, you know, the opportunity to go play overseas, you know, just trusting mm-hmm. in the process, trusting in, um, you know, whatever decision I made was was going to work out regardless of where I played. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. a firm believer in, in the fact that if you can play, um, someone's going to find you. Find you yep. So it's just about putting yourself in a position and, and doing the work um, to be successful. So, uh, yeah, it was it was very, you know, very challenging in hindsight. But I think that going through that really made me a stronger person um, and and really contributed to my ability to adapt to any situation. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I said, it's uh like I said no, probably wasn't the way that you wanted things if you had your chance, you know, want for it to play out that way. But like you just said, I guess it, more lessons learned along the way. And like you just said, in hindsight, it made you a better person, better man, and helped you, you know, fight through these trials in general. So hundred percent. I was like hats off to you for that. But you just uh kind of helped me segue into my next question. You said uh that last year um, you know, in college kind of helped you bolster yourself to be able to play overseas. I know you played in um, France and in Tokyo. Um, And I've had two friends that have played overseas. I haven't been able to catch up with them yet, but kind of how is it like playing overseas? Like just, I guess the the difference overall from, you know, maybe playing in G League or NBA, obviously over here. Um, What's it like, you know, just traveling the world a little bit and then just playing overseas in general? Yeah, for sure. Well, I actually, I I didn't play in France. I played in uh, Japan for a few years and, um, uh, it, it's, it's definitely it's definitely, you know, a culture shock, first and foremost. I think, mm-hmm. you know, on one hand, you get an opportunity to get paid to do something you love. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, a lot of kids grow up and they have aspirations of becoming a professional athlete. And 
you know, going overseas, getting being able to travel the, the world, experience different cultures. I mean, nothing beats that. But at the same time, it comes with, you know, being homesick and being away mm -hmm. from your family for nine months out of the year and having to deal with, uh, you know, language barriers on and off the court. So all these different challenges um, that you have to adjust to when adapting to a new culture. And you still have to perform on day in and day out because, mm -hmm. you know, it's very cutthroat overseas. I don't think a lot of people understand that you can get be over there for two weeks and get sent right back home. You know, mm -hmm. I see it happen all the time. You know, guys, I've heard stories where guys have been there for a day and went back home, <laughs> you know, for one reason or another. So mm -hmm. it, it's definitely a challenge on, on multiple different fronts. But, you know, if you can kind of um, manage, you know, the, the situation from a mental standpoint, mm -hmm. And really make sure that, you know, you're doing your best to remain professional on and off the court. Um, you know, a lot of guys have really, really long lasting careers overseas and it, it could really be a, a phenomenal experience. Yeah. Uh, um, I was going to say, <coughs> yeah, what you just said, uh, they pretty much, I, if I'm, st if it's still like this or if it's still correct, I think I heard like, you know, they try to kind of push their guys, keep their guys, of course, on their team and they only maybe take three, maybe at most right. for you know united states kids so if anything you just say you kind of got, definitely gotta be on your p's and q's because if not you'd be sit home you know like you just said after a day that's kind of crazy to think about yeah. but the opportunities that it does afford um pays off in, in the end i will say before i ask my next question do you do you think you remember any type of you know japanese whatsoever from your days over there or Little, shaky. I, I know a couple of words, but you know, it's, it's like anything else. You got to you got to consistently practice mm -hmm. it to get good at it. And I was yeah. I was actually speaking it pretty well when I was over there, but as soon as I came back home, stopped speaking it. I, exactly. Yeah, I just know a couple words now. Yeah, right. All <laughs> that, yeah, it's the same thing with like me and like basic Spanish and, and just school in general. Like you right. know, like, a little bit, but then yeah, once you don't need to use it no more, it's just kind of out your heads. Um, but yeah, the the next thing I kind of wanted to ask you about, like I said, um, you know, you're playing days your career after i guess you you um I guess decided when to come when you came back pretty much from you know from overseas i guess what was that that first transition like or what was that kind of conversation like with yourself like um when you kind of maybe have knew knew that you know your playing days maybe you know coming to an end or over and, and segueing into that next portion of your career which is you know your art author um like i said you, you now start this uh athletes unheard platform so kind of like how how was it how was that transition like how difficult was it if at all it, it was it was definitely difficult but i think it was a lot easier um for me than other athletes or other mm -hmm. stories that i've heard um I, I started to really think about the transition and what I, what i wanted to do in life after basketball during my second year playing overseas and mm -hmm. um that was mainly because up until that point i had gone back and forth from overseas maybe three times and so whenever i came back home i would have to work jobs and i was working mm -hmm. retail uh, security, driving mm -hmm. for Uber, like all stuff that, you know, frankly, I just didn't want to do. And that exactly. wasn't something that, you know, I, I saw for my future. And so going through that, having to support myself, having to work jobs that I hated, mm -hmm. uh, really gave me a new perspective on what life after basketball could look like if I didn't take that transition seriously. So I got back overseas and I started to write as a means of uh, really reflection more than anything else, trying to figure myself out, trying to uh, really analyzed what got me to this point and what my future could look like. Um, and so to make a long story short, um, I was able to come back home, share a lot of the, the content that I was, you know, writing, putting out, 
Um, and people suggested that I write a book. You know, I had a pretty inspiring story. I went through a lot as an athlete to become a pro. And, you know, the more I thought about it, the more, um, you know, I, I felt like I'd be doing an injustice to other athletes if I didn't tell my story. And so I was able to publish my first book when I came back home and mm-hmm. actually had an opportunity to go play in Morocco, um, maybe about five months after I published that book. Um, and that deal fell through maybe a couple of days before I was supposed to leave, had contract side and everything. And mm-hmm. team basically just told me they didn't want me. And so yeah. um, it, it, for me at that point, I felt like it, in my heart, you know, I was I was looking towards the future. I decided to walk away from basketball in that moment and uh, start to focus on on other things. And I was starting to get other opportunities because of the book. So um, I think I started to prepare, uh, you know, a, a little beforehand. Mm-hmm. and had somewhat of an idea of, you know, the direction I wanted to go in. I knew I was passionate about business and, and yeah. media and um, eventually wanted to start my own company. So um, I just didn't know how to do that. And so, mm-hmm. you know, the past several years since I've been done playing has been a lot of trial and error, uh, a lot of figuring myself out still. I don't think that transition happens overnight for any athlete. Exactly. But uh, the biggest thing is to just stay patient with it and understand that, you know, it took you a long time to become a good athlete. That didn't happen overnight. And so mm-hmm. you're starting back from ground zero. So you have to really break yourself down and be, you know, humble enough um, to really just figure out what your, your next 30, 40 years of your life is going to look like. And that can change. But um, it's just just having the humility to, to start back at zero and understand that um, it's a long term game and yeah. just to enjoy the process. I feel that 100 percent. Um, you know, I'm still young, but you know, just trying to navigate, figure out like things after college. I guess it can, you know, translate across any you know career path. Um, you know, right. So, um, the the next you said it as well. You know, that book, your book, your first book, Lessons from the Game, kind of gave you um, you know, a little bit more opportunities when you know wrote that and published it. You also have another book called you know Impact Beyond the Game. Um, I guess just the first question is like most people, you know. I guess writing a book just isn't, isn't easy. So like what uh, kind of gave you that, you know, impression to to write a book and, you know, and another book as well, just the second book. So like how hard is it, I guess, being an author? Like what was the, I guess, the process like, the steps like in order to even write a book and get it published and all of that? Because like I said, I don't think that's a, a easy task at all. Yeah, well, for, for me personally, you know, writing is something that comes naturally to me. I don't think it comes naturally to a lot of people. Most mm-hmm. people don't like to write, but I think uh, I'm self-aware in the fact that I understand what I'm best at, how I best communicate with the world, with the world, and that's through you know writing. And so mm-hmm. I was never the most outspoken kid or vocal kid growing up, but whenever I needed to voice my feelings or my my thoughts, it was always through pen and paper or mm-hmm. you know on the keyboard. So um, I knew that. I never, I didn't know anything about publishing a book, but mm-hmm. I knew that I could, you know, put something out into the world that was, you know, my truest self and authentic to who I was. And mm-hmm. um, that first book was really more trial, you know, trial and error, you know, trying mm-hmm. to figure out the process, trying to format it, having a little help here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, honestly, it wasn't the best, you know, <laughs> published book in the world. Uh, but I didn't expect it to be, you know, yeah. and so the writing part really wasn't the most challenging part of it all. Um, I think for most people, it is because people have a hard time uh, staying consistent and disciplined with mm-hmm. it. Um, but if you really break it down into, you know, I'm going to write 100 or 200 words a day, um, anybody can write a book. It's it's mm-hmm. not the hardest thing in the world. So that's how I kind of look at it. And, you know, publishing my second book, 
um, I was able to kind of understand the process a little bit better um, mm-hmm. and go about it in a completely different way. So um, I think writing a book is something that everybody should do. We all have stories to tell. And I think it's a very, um, you know, revealing process. You know, you, you really just kind of opening yourself up and, um, you know, putting everything that you've lived through or experience, your experiences, you know, out into the world. And I think there's something to be said about the power of vulnerability. And so that's why I think writing in, in, in itself um, is so powerful. Yeah. I guess with the with those two books, I know that the title probably gives, you know, gives the audience a, a little bit of um, insight of what it could be about. But if you could just, I guess, give a little sneak peek of what each book um, kind of entails. I know the first one that like you said um, has a few you know, lessons that you kind of learned along the way through your playing careers. But um, just in general, I guess what uh, could someone that is reading these two books, you know, find um, within you know both publishing? Yeah. So my first book, Lessons from the Game, really just, you know, is my story as an athlete, what I had to go through to become a professional. Um, and, and, you know, it highlights key lessons that I took away from playing basketball throughout my life. I think a lot of times athletes don't realize um, the traits and the tangibles that they gain along the way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, a lot of those things are invaluable in the real world. You know, things such as um, time management and, and patience and you know, going back to discipline and consistency. So all these um, you know, things that you learn as an athlete can be applied in different areas. So uh, that book just highlights those and, and impact beyond the game is really focused on um, teaching athletes how to build leverage and monetize their personal brands. I think in this day and age when we have um, so many different tools and, and technologies that can uh, really put us in a position to be successful, it's critical for athletes to understand how to better utilize, um, you know, a lot of these things to create more options for themselves, whether that's during their careers or, you know, creating a legacy in life after sports. And, you know, we we see with name, image and likeness on the horizon, I think student athletes Mm -hmm. are going to have a huge opportunity to, you know, make some money to, you know, really just capitalize on that platform. And so Impact Beyond the Game is just a blueprint that you know, teaches athletes what brand building is at the foundation and then take uh, specific tactics and strategies that they can use in their daily lives to improve their brands uh, for life going forward and life beyond sports. Yeah. Yeah. That's a big one. Like you just said, uh, especially with the NCAA, just, you know, now approving, um, you know, all these, you know, or not all these, but basically approving, you know, for athletes to be able to start using their image name, likeness and you know, be able to start monetizing out their platforms in general. Yeah, that's astounding. Like I said, great book that you know, I probably even myself definitely should be seeing a purchase from me coming soon. I appreciate um, that, man. Yeah, no problem. Well, um, yeah, the next thing I kind of want to you know, segue into, uh, you know, with their books and like said, I've been talking about it, your platform, Athletes Unheard. Um, you know, how did I guess that idea come about and, you know, what went into, you know, creating just that platform in general? So, so growing up, obviously, you know, mental health is something that's not really talked about uh, within the athletic community, but also not in the black community. And, yes. you know, growing up in D.C., being, you know, child from a single parent household, me, my mom and my brother and watching my, my mother struggle to raise us. And we moved several times and just going through certain experiences. Um, I realized how I played, a, you know, a, a, it was detrimental in many different ways and it it manifested itself in negative ways as I got older. And so, um, you know, part of wanting me wanting to build athletes on her was that, but also um, I think everything we experienced this past year with COVID and social injustice and athletes not really uh, knowing how to navigate 
you know, life without their sport or being around their teammates mm-hmm. and dealing with certain emotions and feelings. And so I'm reading, you know, numerous stories about athletes who are struggling, but also I had my own challenges in 2020, you know, going through and I started having severe panic attacks in, in the fall of last year, um, you know, due to like COVID isolation and things of that nature. So it was me wanting to kind of scratch my own itch and educate myself, but also provide a safe space for athletes to normalize conversation around mental health because I feel like it's been neglected for for way too long. Um, it, it's going to be pivotal going forward, you know, as athletes have more obligations and things on their plate. Um, how are we addressing their, their overall well-being? How are we really educating and empowering the person beyond the jersey? And so mm-hmm. that's really what we're doing. We're trying to destroy the stigma around mental health and sports and Primarily right now, we're doing that through storytelling and providing resources to help athletes learn about mental health. And so mm-hmm. uh, the feedback has been amazing so far. And I'm, you know, just applaud the athletes who have used our platform to share their stories. And I commend them uh, because it's not easy being open when you've been taught to be one way for so long. And mm-hmm. I think that narrative is changing. And I think Athletes Unheard is going to play a huge part in changing that narrative. Yeah, for sure. Um, I actually had a question, you know, about that, but real quick, you, you mentioned it. It's something I kind of wanted to touch on, um, that you just said, uh, especially like you said, in the African American community is definitely mental health is definitely a, a topic that is not discussed, um, or even, you know, in ways just kind of looked down upon what changes, I guess, do you think needs to happen, I guess, in the African American community in order for this to become more so of a norm? Moving? First of all, I think it starts by, uh, really addressing mental health is a real thing and understanding that it's something that we all have. I think there's the part of the taboo around mental health is um, the language that we use and people associating it with mental illness. You know, not everyone is mentally ill, but everyone does have mental health. And so um, it starts with education and understanding what these terms mean and understanding um, how we're addressing our feelings and our emotions on a daily basis and, and talking about them openly. Um, and then also creating more safe spaces for us to have these conversations. I think um, too often we, we we teach children, especially young black boys, to man up, toughen up. You can't cry. You know, yeah. don't show emotions. And that's just not human. You know, yeah. we don't go through life stoic and and not being a person. You know, you can't be a robot. So, exactly. like, what do you expect these people to do when they get older? And and so we need, it needs to start younger around education and and creating more safe spaces. Um, and dialogue around just checking in on people. And mm-hmm. so I think that's that's where we need to begin. Um, and I think COVID exposed a lot of, you know, our mm-hmm. insecurities at a very, very high level. And so I think it was kind of the silver lining in, in, in all of it. And I'm hoping that we can come out of this um, culturally better, um, yeah. but also as a society. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think uh, you just said it. Um, you know, we hear it all the time from different athletes and everything, but I think Brandon Marshall and Ultra Cinco just kind of had a show on right. this about, uh, you know, black boys kind of being told, you know, differently, I guess, from, you know, maybe you know, African-American females and just the difference of, you know, being brought up and how they're, how certain things that they're told can affect, you know, whether it's knowingly or unknowingly, their their mental health and how they cope and, and deal with certain situations. Right. Like I said, definitely just, just awareness in general, because like you said as well, I think mental illness, for some reason, always coincides with people thinking, uh, or mental health is always coincide with people thinking mental illness automatically put a negative connotation on it. So, right, definitely just being more aware and teaching others about it should that needs to be the start. And hopefully, you just said after all of this, whenever you know, normal T does come about, 
um, were better for it. So um, next thing I kind of wanted to ask about, um, of course, still deals with people in general, but um, I guess, why do you think athletes, I guess their mental health in a way, uh, is kind of like looked down upon? Um, you know, we've seen a bunch of times, even it's not really you know, more so focused on mental health, but athletes just speaking out about things that's going on in the African-American community, people telling them to shut up and dribble, stick to the sport, even just recently. Um, Zlatan told, you know, LeBron, you know, kind of he, he feels like athletes should stick to just being athletes. And, you know, after so many years of, of this being kind of like in the news and in the spotlight, like it's kind of weird to see like some people's perception on it still hasn't changed. Um, but just like I said, just in general, I guess, what what do you think athletes, you know, why are their mental health or why are they just looked down upon and told not to, I guess, have these thoughts, have these feelings and not be able to speak up about it, that they just need to stick to their sport? Well, to be to be honest, I don't think that that narrative is is really going to uh, go away or I don't mm -hmm. think that conversation, you know, people telling athletes to shut up and dribble, I don't think that's going to stop. I think mm -hmm. when you look at it and who they're talking to is often the black athletes who have the power, who, exactly. who are we put on a pedestal and who we look up to. And so uh, part of it to me has a, ra a, a racist undertone. Um, mm -hmm. But I think that given the the stature that athletes hold, um, not only in, in the black community, but in society in general in this country, Mm -hmm. um they're they're very their voice matters you know we we look to athletes as inspiration and, and mm -hmm. model role models and whether they want that title or not that's who they are you know what yep. i'm saying that's entertainers and athletes is, is is who black people look towards the most and it's exactly. i'm not saying it's it's right or wrong but it is what it is and so mm -hmm. when we place these people on these pedestals you know they they do have a responsibility to um you know conduct themselves in certain ways and to um, you know, be that role model for the next generation. I think mm -hmm. that's important. And so um, I applaud LeBron James and, and the numerous athletes. I mean, you know, everybody from Jalen Brown to Kyrie and them not sticking to that that script and, and conforming to what people want them to do, but them being their own men mm -hmm. and even females. You know, I got to got to yep. give a shout out to the WNBA and what they've done. Sure. Yep. Um, their work as far as, you know, equality and social justice and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, just everything that they stand for. I mean, it's, it's incredible to see. And I think mm -hmm. we're, you know, we're, we're not living through a new, the new wave. I think we're standing mm -hmm. on the shoulders of athletes who have come in the past and, and these new athletes of today are, are carrying that torch further and mm -hmm. will continue this fight as long as possible. So I just, it's inspiring to see, and I hope this conversation, you know, continues as, as, you know, much as it has to, as mm -hmm. as we've had to fight in this country for hundreds of years. So exactly, yeah. And, and you just said it. Shout out to the WNBA. <coughs> always try to make sure um, they and, and numerous women um, across different sports just kind of get their get their flowers because they pretty much was the catalyst and the ones to push and move everything that even happened in the bubble. So right. they definitely deserve you know shout out every time they they can get you know thank you and congrats to those ladies for sure. Um, and you also said his name as well, Kyrie Irving. Um, last you know year or two a lot, a lot of what he does is definitely put under a microscope this year it's been um or it was you know he took seven games off uh and he cited it because of personal reasons you know mental health and um just family things just in general um but pretty much he was getting you know torched in the media um for doing what he did and i guess the way he went about it i guess just i guess your initial thoughts are and your reactions when you first you know was hearing and reading about all these different things you know that people were saying about Kyrie and kind of how 
like that also plays into you know a part like you know the things that are said and, and done in the media especially when he's going through something like he doesn't really have to allocate and tell why you know what family reasons was going on you may be at a death or whatever it could be but um how that also affects their mental health so just i guess your thoughts on the the situation in general yeah i mean being an nba player professional athlete is hard enough like you're dealing with criticism from the fans um you know the media high expectation to perform night in and night out night out and a player as talented as Kyrie Irving and given who he is I mean that's it's extremely hard life and I think the the fact of the matter also is like he doesn't owe us any explanation to what he's Mm -hmm. going through or what his family situation is you know that's his business and he, he can say to the media as much or as little as he wants to and so you know, when that when that all that news was coming out about what he was doing, I was just like, you know, people are gonna give Kyrie a lot of shit. Um, excuse yep. my language. I don't <laughs> no, know if I can cuss on this podcast. Can. <laughs> you can stay with him. Yeah, that is fine. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, people were gonna give him a lot of shit because of, of things that he said or done in the past. And mm-hmm. you know, it, it kind of is what it is. But I think um until you walk in somebody's shoes, you you have no right to judge them. And we mm-hmm. we we just pass judgment without really understanding someone else's perspective or being empathy to their situation and what they might be experiencing. So I think, you know, I guess part of the, the media's um, job is to report on the players, but um, I think there needs to be a sense of responsibility and uh, to always remember that these are people with, with yep. their own issues at the end of the day. I think, I think of Damian Lillard and what he's, you know, what he was reported mm-hmm. he had to go through this past uh year or so with him mm-hmm. like some like six family members yeah, died was, yeah crazy it's crazy yeah. but like he's expected to go out there and perform every single night regardless of what's happening with his personal life mm-hmm. and, and the media is still going to talk their trash the fans still going to talk their trash if, if he has an off night but nobody's asking him how he's doing at the end of the day so i think that's what's lost in, in sports a lot today is the fact that these athletes are human beings before they're you know, show puppets or people that you just cheer for. And that perspective is effed up and, and yeah. has been skewed and needs to change, honestly, because it's yeah. a joke. Yeah, exactly. And I would, I just thought about that. Like, yeah, I, I read it yesterday and it was, you know, just crazy the, the different lives that were lost in Damien Lillard, you know, Lillard's just circle in general. And like you said, we would never know, but it's really not even our place to know. Um, but like with the media, say he did something similar to what Kyrie did. I don't know if he would have got castrated as much, but it definitely would have been a story. So what I guess how, if any, because, you know, sometimes the media, the media does have kind of like a negative connotation on, on them at times, but how, if any, if can there be like a, I guess a, a line drawn, like it, it, will there ever be like a certain type of, you know, line drawn to where All right. Like we're, we're not going to report on this, you know, on Kyrie's situation or talk about the way they were talking about it because like, yeah, like you just said, we have to realize and understand he's a person first and understand kind of like what is he, what he's going through. So they don't need to, you know, I guess, take that path or go down that lane. Do you think there'll ever be that, I guess, in sports or is it kind of like, you know, we're like, I guess, like in a way, there's certain reporters and certain things like there's people, I guess, in you know generations now or that's coming up. They're starting to like point out, you know, what's right, what's wrong, like, you know, kind of not accepting the norms that it used to be. Um, so do you think it's getting better or do you think that line would never kind of be drawn? It's just, I, I, I think it's in some regards. Um, I think, I, I mean, I think from outlet to outlet, it varies. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you gotta think about, you know, how some of these companies generate revenues mm-hmm. through 
clickbait and yeah. they're going to get the scoop on a story and try to spit it in the most negative way possible because mm-hmm. negativity is more alluring than positive news. And so mm-hmm. that's just human nature. And so understanding that psychology behind it, um, you know, you're going to see some outlets who are going to try to post the most <laughs> demeaning yeah. stuff in the world. But I think there are, you know, in saying that there's still a lot of great reporters out there who do mm-hmm. write by athletes and make sure that whatever they put out is a positive reflection or the truth more than anything else It's yeah. the truth of um you know what's what's going on behind the scenes or what the actual story is so i think as long as you're illuminating the truth and mm-hmm. being genuine to whatever that is um you know that that's all you can ask for and mm-hmm. so i don't think you know i don't i think there's uh from a moral perspective like you know, I don't think, you know, a lot of these outlets should be trying to spin it as in, in the most negative way possible um, for profit. But yeah. uh, if it if it's if, if it's truth behind the story, then I think that that's reasonable. So yeah. um, I don't think anybody can argue with that for the most part. Yeah, exactly. Uh, next thing I kind of wanted to ask is kind of still on the same subject, but, you know, with, with the. <clears throat> you know, the talk that we were saying about, you know, mental health and even with your platform athletes and her. Um, you guys definitely try to shine a light on that. What mental health issues um, do you think are more prevalent in athletes that we may not know about? And like kind of how concerning can that be? Or even ones like they might not know about. Um, like I said, to have, don't want to keep harping on, but Damian Lynn, to have lost six people in your circle within a you know year span of time. Like I know that that's obviously there's a lot to take on. And it could bring you some underlying effects things that he may not even be, you know, thinking about um, or know about because like you said, he's, he's has to go out and perform each and every night. So what I guess mental health issues do you think are most prevalent in athletes and how concerning can it be if they may not know these? I think, I think um, Damian Lillard's situation is, is probably on the more, more extreme side. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I also believe it varies from athlete to athlete. I think, mm-hmm. you know, depending on where they're at in their careers or, or lives, you know, their mental health can be, can sway from side to side and mm-hmm. emotion, emotion, feeling to feeling day to day. I think overall, um, and I think uh, Adam Silver alluded to this at a conference sometime last year, mm-hmm. or the year before we talked about anxiety and how a yeah. lot of these players um, are dealing with various levels of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh, particularly when it comes to performance because of the media, fans, social media, um, and, and people being, you know, trolls online and things of that nature. Um, and so I think that with the next generation coming up, you know, they're dealing with so many different factors and aspects of being an athlete. Um, and I'm just wondering with NIL, what impact that's going to have on their ability to be, you know, do their job as, as mm-hmm. athletes first and foremost when you have business managers agents advisors mm-hmm. um all these opportunities school work uh balancing you know your social life all these different things that are now playing a part in just the amount of uh attention that's on you mm-hmm. i i am concerned about how these athletes are going to deal with it all yeah. in one regards i think anxiety um is something and we started to see very heightened levels of it this past mm-hmm. year um i think that's something that's going to become a challenge for a lot of athletes um in this next generation as more things are put on their plate um and they're expected to do more um at younger ages yeah and i guess it uh can be allocated 
to different, you know, I guess, platforms or whatever the case may be. But what if you could maybe, you know, I guess allocate it to one a little bit more than the other? What do you think, I guess, this anxiety comes from the most? Because you did say a mixture of things. Obviously, social media that's growing at an extremely, you know, fast rate over the, what, the last like 10, 15 years. And it's still continuing to grow. Obviously, we, we talked about the media. Um, we just talked talked about obviously just in general like within their circle well, their teams their coaching staff fans players in the fan, uh in the stands obviously they haven't had to deal with that much of it this year being COVID restrictions but what I guess obviously it's a mixture but what if any which one do you think I guess um could be allocated to the most like the the thing that probably would get to these athletes the most and it's probably case by case depending on the different um the different player but what do you think that I guess maybe social media is that the most prevalent like is that something that may i guess basically stick out in their mind the most and something that they may pay attention to the most and, and create that anxiety um even further um I, I think i think social media is definitely a big one i don't know if it's mm -hmm. the most prevalent but um when it comes to uh how we how we interact online and how connected we are through social media and athletes um w wanting to mm -hmm. Uh, have that notoriety. Um, I think you know that comes with you know looking at comments and mm -hmm. seeing people's responses and how that can affect a player. I think you know depends on their psyche, but um, can often be very detrimental when it comes to how they feel about themselves as a, as an mm -hmm. athlete, but also as a person. Because um, there are it's a lot of negativity online, but yeah, you know in the same regard, you kind of um, you at the end of the day, social media is a tool, and yeah. I think tools can be used to destroy or build, you know, depending mm -hmm. on how you leverage it. And so I think a lot of these athletes have to be able to um, take a step back and, and really, you know, pay attention to how they're engaging with this tool, how they're utilizing it on a day-to-day -day basis and how they're controlling um, their own narrative, but also mm -hmm. what their interactions are with these people online and, and yeah. understanding that a lot of times, you know, people who post negative shit online and they're, mm -hmm. they're dealing with their own issues within itself. And so, exactly. you know, misery loves company. And, and mm -hmm. so um, I think, I think it's a lot about um, educating these athletes and under getting them to understand that uh, social media is not the end all be all your job is to be an athlete mm -hmm. um, and, and, empowering them with these tools making but making sure they know how to how to use them in the most effective exactly. and efficient way possible so it's not damaging their their well-being long term responsibly exactly i also i guess i wanted to segue i guess right back to athletes unheard um i have been able to check out a few of your interviews um and you had interviewed you know pretty you know well-known athletes um i know jelani jenkins just because he has my name that's one i definitely want to check <laughs> out uh natalie uh allport i believe uh John Hayes as well. Um, so just, I guess, from these different interviews that you've been able to do, I know, you know, the platform's still fresh and new, but it's been making tremendous strides um, as much I mean, as far as, you you know, you started it. Um, from from talking to, you know, these brilliant minds and these people, is there a specific, like, story or line or, or quote um, that has resonated with you the most from any of these interviews that maybe, you know, regular people could kind of relate to it, um, that what they may be going through, you know, during these difficult times, you know, the pandemic. That's a good question. Um, or if you have a story from each and every one of them, <laughs> more than welcome. Uh, I guess one story that really sticks out in my mind was uh, Otis. When Otis, I had Otis Grisby mm -hmm. on, who was a yeah. former NFL DN. 
um, and him talking about concussions. And I had never really done my much research on mm-hmm. concussions. Like I saw the movie, I know how prevalent it is in the NFL and yeah. how they're trying to make more strides to protect the players. But he's like in that world heavy mm-hmm. now. And so he, he was talking about um, going back to like some of the, the NFL reunions and some of these guys like how bad they're doing, man. It's yeah. just it's sad. And it really just – it, it it hurt me, man. I'm like, mm-hmm. you have guys who are like 50, 60 years old who can barely walk, um, Jeez, you know, yeah. hardly remember things, hardly remember their teammates. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, man, how much, you know, what else can we do to really make sure that other guys don't end up like that? You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And it, it all goes back to the humanity side of, of you know, sports and mm-hmm. understanding that these are people you know, who have families and, and lives that they have to um, continue with when they're mm-hmm. done playing. And it's like, who is looking out for them? Who is taking care of them? So I think that story um, or him just talking about that in general was really yeah. eye opening. Um, but every guest has been phenomenal, man. Yeah. Like, having an opportunity, as you said, to just sit down with some of these athletes who, you know, one one way, shape or form, mm-hmm. um, you know, have done incredible things outside of sports and, and mm-hmm. uh, really can just provide some insight on what that journey is like, but also the transition and how mentally it, it can affect, you know, any athlete from, you know, any sport. So uh, yeah, it's been, it's been really inspiring, man. Yeah. And with, with the concussion. Yeah. I, you know, thinking about it, I did, I remember I, I checked out a few minutes of that one as well. And I guess I used to write a lot about it in because I used to play football and basketball in high school. I used to write a lot about it. But I guess like for you and, and even for him, you know, you can read about it, write about it. Like you say, even see the movie in certain cases in point. But that external like like vision, being able to physically see how these guys are men- like doing, like was it mentally, physically, he's going to see it. some of these 50, 60 year olds can't walk. Like I can definitely see how that can obviously take a toll on you as a person and make you want to dive deeper into it and do as much as you can to possibly help. Right. Like I said, I, I've always written and written, you know, written on it, done research and all that, but I've never really had that external factor to, to see someone, you know, going through it. But I know it's, you know, definitely an issue. Obviously, it's been an issue in the field. They've had to, you know, set do all these settlements and had all these different stories and research right. and news in the in, in the media come out. So, um, but also to you know, all the other apps, I, I you said it yourself just now. Main thing. Um, is they were athletes, but they're all doing incredible things, you know, off the court or field or the slopes, wherever, whatever the case. And that's definitely something that shouldn't be going unnoticed because, like we've been saying and harping on it, they're people as well, and they're doing amazing things, not only you know on the court but off the court as well for this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I really appreciate you know you, you being on talk with me. Um, I like I said in the beginning, I really felt like this is something that needs you know to be talked about more, needs to be you know more prevalent, and people need to you know learn and do their research on. Before we know, we move into our, our next part, which I always love to end off games with uh, with my guests. What um, what I guess what is a start or what where should people start kind of on educating themselves and um, making themselves more well known and just being more, you know, acceptive of athletes you know, talking about just their mental health in general? Well, I mean, I would love for them to check out Athletes Unheard and what of we're course. doing with our platform. Um, I think, you know, we're becoming a, a good good resource. But I think, um, you know, online there's there's plenty of people who have been in this space who have, you know, therapists, sports psychologists, mm-hmm. uh, mental performance coaches who are putting out a lot of great content. 
um, and really doing their part to impact, you know, athletes in, in a number of different ways. So it's not just us and we're trying to really build a community around the platform and, and connect all these different resources so that, you know, athletes know where to find them and people who support athletes know where to, where to go find resources to help these athletes. So, um, yeah, man, like, you know, like I said, athletes unheard, um, you know, our website is athletes and mm-hmm. we'll love for anybody to check us out or reach out. So, yes, sir. Um, and like I said, I've enjoyed the interviews that I've seen and watched so far. Um, even you guys have written, written interviews on there as well. And like you said, you do the, the video interviews. So, Everyone, please, you know, check out Malcolm Lemons and everything that he's doing. Also, his books as well, Lessons from the Game and Impact Beyond the Game as well. Like I said, I always love to do games before I, you know, end in, in the show with my guest today. Uh, you know, I already told uh, Malcolm, but the All-Star Weekend is here in my hometown this, uh, this year. They moved it from Indianapolis to Atlanta. I've been saying all week, I don't really know why. I feel like this <laughs> isn't the, the smartest place to, to host okay. an event like this, but, you know, Hey, I guess they're going to do it and we'll see how everything goes. But I wanted to ask you um, your event, um, uh, your event winner prediction. So uh, the I'll start with the dunk contest. Dunk contest really isn't you know, anything really special this year. we got three participants. They're going to do it during halftime. The participants are Casey's Winston or Stanley, my fault, not Winston. Um, Casey Stanley, Anthony Simons, and Obi Toppin. Out of those three, who do you think, uh, I guess, takes home the trophy? Mm, I got uh, what was it Cassius Stanley? Yeah, I got I got him. I think he's an underrated dunker. I saw him mm-hmm. uh, at Duke, and his mm-hmm. athleticism is off the charts. But I do like Obi Toppin. I just think bigger, uh, bigger, uh, taller players have uh, oftentimes yeah. have a uphill yeah. battle when it comes to dunk contests. So I got to give mm-hmm. it to Cassius on that one. Exactly. Yeah, it, it, I don't know what I know exactly what you're talking about too. I don't know if I can form it into words, but it just seems like they're. Like obviously they're athletic, but I feel like they don't have the certain body movements to be able to pull off some of these more like spectacular athletic dunks that we've seen. I know Dwight Howard. I guess that's kind of disproving my point. But other than and Blake like, Griffin, like yeah, but besides them two, it's not really. Yeah, you can't and, really and, think about like a big man dunker exactly. who won the dunk concert. Yeah, and then Blake's was mostly just off a of hype because it was over a car. But now right. I, I think it was, you know, servicing the other day. We saw it on Twitter. And it was like, that's probably the most overhyped dunk in the world <laughs> ever. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't see it. But, yeah, the Casey is staying. I think that's the, the biggest um, favorite right now because I would say Anthony Simons, I haven't really seen him. I don't really seen him dunk, do anything like spectacular. You know, Obi Toppin's athletic, but I don't know if he'll be able to pull it off. So, yeah, I went with him as well. Um, the one that's probably the most star-studded is going to be the three-point contest. Um the participants in it, Stephen Curry, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Devin Booker, Zach Levine, and Dane. Um, uh, this year? I think he's it. No, I don't think. Oh, no, Dane pulled out. Dane so, yeah, Dane's not in it. So, Steph, Donovan, Jason, uh, Tatum, Jalen Brown, Devin Booker, and Zach Levine. So, who do you got taking that? That's tough. Um, for me, it's between Steph and Book. I think I'm going to give it to Book. I think I'm going to give it to Devin Booker. We're on the same page. I, I did this. Uh, I asked um, some guys about two days ago, and I said the same thing. Devin, I don't know. I just love Devin Booker. Yeah, he's. I, he's I be fanboying over him. So yeah, <laughs> so just a smooth, smooth guy. So I, I don't know. I, I took him as well, and I think he he won it last year. He won it once other time. I don't know if it was yeah. last year or the year before. Yeah, so he um he's looking. I think to to add to that trophy. So I went with Devin Booker as well. Um, and then lastly, uh, well, both of these are going to happen before. Um, I guess the the pre the pre warm ups to the all-star game, but the skills challenge this year, we got Luca 
Chris Paul, Julius Randle, Demonis Sabonis, and uh, Nikola Vucevic. So, out of those guys, who do you think takes him the trophy? Luca. Yeah. <laughs> Luca, man, that dude saying, is yeah. unreal. <laughs> yeah. he, he's definitely a special talent. I don't, and I don't know. I, I love Trey. It's, it's I love Trey, and I think I still would do the trade that you know we did. You know, getting him and Cam. But a lot of it, a lot of the articles I've been seeing lately, you know, especially since Lloyd Pierce got fired, and like, is yeah. did he take the you know, did he take the fall for what I guess the front office and Travis Slink did in trading away Luca? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they're both special talents. They're always going to be compared to each other. But um, yeah, Luca definitely, if not him, out of the other ones I could see, maybe Chris Paul. Um, I just don't think the big men really have a chance this year. I think Bam won it last year. I think it's definitely either Chris Paul or Luca's this yeah. year. So, um, but yeah, and then after that, lastly, we're gonna um, actually. Do a little something I've been talking about all week, thinking about all week. I've seen a few people do it, but I definitely want to do it myself. And I'm I'm glad I have you. Um, you know, as a pro athlete, and I'm sure I have a basketball watcher to help me um fill this out. But um the last thing we're gonna do is actually do a little mock draft. The draft is tonight, of course, with between Team LeBron and Team Durant on um who's who's basically playing on whose team for the all-star game. And um, I wanted to do a little mock draft to see who we think goes where for each team. So, of course, you're my guest, so I'll give you the honor to kind of choose which uh, GM – you're putting your GM cap on, which team you kind of want to draft for, and uh, you probably get the per- first pick as well. I'm going to go with Durant, hometown hero. Okay. All right. So, go with Team Durant. I'll be Team LeBron's captain. Uh, well, that works out perfectly because, obviously, he's not playing on uh, Sabonis. So uh, is replacing him, so you, you also get the first pick, protected pick, um, for who you want. Ah, uh, man. I'm going to go with Steph. Is it Steph? Mm-hmm. All right. Let me see if I can go and move. Oh, hold on. Back over here. Ooh, I thought I could move it. Oh, okay. There we go. My fault. Go ahead and move over. Steph to Team Durant. Um, I think that's the first. I think, honestly, that might be the first pick this this uh, this All-Star round anyway. Because we I forgot to also say we got to pick out the starters first. And if it yeah. wasn't him, it was going to be Joel. So Steph is a good pick. I'm going to pick Joel. For uh, Team LeBron, so we're, we're gonna go that way. Um, oh man, I'm gonna get uh, Kawhi. Kawhi, okay, yeah. yeah, that's solid. That's solid. All right. Um, who do I want to get? I'm gonna go Bradley Beal. I feel like he just he just he deserves it, and I'm glad that he got selected for this All Star game. As well. I'll go Bradley. Give me. I take Kyrie. Yeah, I I figured. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I don't think I don't think I don't even think LeBron. I wasn't even going to draft him because I don't think LeBron's going to want to draft them. They it, Their relationship is a little weird. Just yeah. a little rocky. So I'm like, all right, I feel like he was going to Durant anyway. I feel like he's going to honestly get both his boys hardened as well. But uh, uh, this one is tough. I want to go Giannis, but I'm going based off who I think LeBron will actually get. And I don't know if he would. I feel like he's more so in love with either Tatum or Luka. You know what? I don't even care. I'm going to go. I got to go Giannis. Giannis just to see how it, yeah. Because I just got got to go. I think I'm going to go with Big Front. Giannis, team give me, give me the Joker. Yeah, got, yep, got to combat some of that length and size. So, yeah, makes sense. Uh, that being said, like I said, I go Luca for Team LeBron. I guess I got Tatum. Yeah, you gotta take Tatum. But I mean, not that's not not a bad, you know, not a bad last Solid. pick. So, start. So this was what the starting five is looking like right now. So, uh, Team Durant slash Team Lemons is looking like uh, Jason Tatum, Kawhi, Steph Curry. That backcourt is lethal, Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> Irvin and uh Jokic. So 
And uh, Team LeBron slash Team Brown right now. We got LeBron and B, Bradley Beal, Giannis, and Luca. So looking like a nice little starting five. Um, and next, I guess we'll go. Uh, we'll go reserve. So, um, of course you get the yes, yeah, so you get the first pick. But of course, I don't know if you can see everybody. Mm-hmm. You can see everybody. Okay, cool, cool. I'm gonna go Harden. Hard, yeah. Let me see. Yeah. That's the first reserve that definitely is off the board. Like I said, makes sense too. Got the whole Brooklyn Nets yeah. squad over Y'all here. So. Squad together. Yeah. This is tough now that you're saying it. I really don't know who he would go. I feel like he would go Ben just because of that you know, clutch, clutch yeah. connection. But that's just that's not the next guy that you take off the board. That's, it's, it can't be. I think you got to go Paul. I think out of the reserves, he's having probably the be- better of the year after. Oh, my fault. I, I can't even do it. I just messed up. I realized that he's not in the picture right now. I meant to go Dame. And oh, he's right there. But you know what? I can't even take it back. Obviously, he ain't gonna be able to take it back either. So I'm gonna just stay with my pick. That's my fault. My fault, Dave. <laughs> my fault, Dave. Oh my god. I'm gonna go. So we doing who? Who do I think they'll pick? Yeah. Um, let's do Donovan Mitchell. Donovan, you say it. You say it. Me appreciate, it, but Donovan is solid. He's been having a great year as well. And shout out to the Jazz. You know, they finished off the uh, finished off the first half of the year number one. I don't think many people had them there, but. Behind him and Gobert, they have a solid look. And who I meant to pick, got to pick him up. Go ahead, get my boy Dame, Dame Tom, Team LeBron. Uh, who you got next? Julius Randle. Julius, that's solid. My uh, the, the president of this network would be happy with that pick. <laughs> he's a big Knicks fan, so um, yeah. But Julius is having a big year. He, he's torched yeah. our torched my Hawks both times we played him. He went for like forty five one time. I was like, but um, let me see who go next. Uh, do we need a little bit more side? Little guard. I want to say Gobert, but that's just weird. On obviously him and the beat ain't gonna be. Um, yeah. I, I I just like I said, the clutch connection. I will just go ahead and take Ben. Probably be the defensive player of the year. They got they got like I said that clutch connection. I'll go ahead. Mm, I'm gonna go with uh, Zach Levine. Yeah, another solid, another All Star whose team wasn't really winning, but definitely deserves to be in that game. So yeah, I like him. I like him as well. Yeah. Um. Who do I think? LeBron loves him some book. Yeah. I like book too. So I'm going to go ahead and take him. I should have took his guy, Chris Paul. I don't know. It's going to have to come down to one of them. I don't think he'll be able to snag both. So I'll go ahead and get book for him. And then I, I automatically get Sabonis, don't I? Or Oh, yeah, yeah. I think so. Because, yeah. So, but I'll let, well, I'll move it over there, but I'll let you get your pick as well. Okay. Um, I'll take Rudy Gobert. He plays some defense. Yeah. And I would say that that's I mean, I don't know. They just played the other night. I think MB bullied them, but um <laughs> that's, it oh. gotta bring some size against uh the big boy on the other right. side. So makes sense. Ah, oh, this is tough. Cause I wanna go, but I feel like I'm gonna have I'm not gonna have too many guards, but I feel like he would get his boy Chris, but Zion's still on the board, Jalen's on the board, Vucevic. I don't know. I don't see him. He probably gonna have to give uh I think. I don't know if he will or not, but just being what's on the board, I kind of want him to pick Zion, so I'm going to go Zion. Hopefully he picks him. Hopefully we're right on these, but I'll go Zion. I'm going to go Jalen Brown now. Yeah, that's solid. Oh, that one is face. All right, down to the last two picks. We got Chris. Like I said, I guess I got to go with – like I said, we don't got too much size. We got a little size, but not big, big. But I think he'll go with his guy, Chris Paul. He likes to have friends on his squad, so we'll go with him. Right. And then uh, I think Booch. I got Booch. Booch on that side. So yep. there we yeah, go. I think that's solid, solid, solid teams. We got 
Team LeBron slash Team Brown with LeBron and B, Giannis, Chris Paul, Zion, Luca, Bill, George, Ben Simmons, Book, and Damian Lillard. And on Team Durant side, obviously Team Dur- or Durant's not playing, but we got Steph, Jalen Brown, Kyrie Irving, Kai or Kawhi, my fault, Jason Tatum. So we got a lot of teammates on this side. Honestly, now I'm thinking about it. We got the whole Brooklyn Nets squad. We got the Celtics <laughs> riding with each other. Um, yeah, and Rudy Gobert and uh, Donovan Mitchell. So then Sabonis, Vucevic, and Levine and and Joker. So it's a solid little matchup, solid little squad. I honestly think we might not be far off. I think this might, this could possibly be the two. What the two teams is looking like? Oh my fault, I forgot to mention Julius Ray. My fault. Uh, mm-hmm. this, but uh, this might be. This might be close to what the two teams may look like tonight. I'm definitely gonna screenshot this, take a picture. We're gonna throw it up on Twitter and see if we're, see if we're correct in our prediction. Um, but yeah, man, like I said, thank you, thank you again for joining me today. Um, you know, with this interview, speaking you know about your journey, athletes unheard, the books that you've written, and just your opinions on you know mental health and the aspects of sports in general, uh, Mr. Lemons. But of course, before we, I let you go, of course, I want you to plug in. Um, let everybody know where they can find you, where they can find your books, where they can find your work, um, and just follow you. In. Yeah, for sure. And I appreciate this opportunity. Um, I'm pretty accessible online, every social media platform at Malcolm Lemons. Um, you can check out my website at MalcolmLemons.com, and then you can get uh, Lessons from the Game and Impact Beyond the Game on Amazon. And Athletes Unheard is on every social media platform at Athletes Unheard, and our website is athletesunheard.com. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. And guys, already know where to find me and find the uh, you know audio version or the replay of this live um, on Twitter is WTG MTM Podcast. Instagram and Facebook is what the game means to me as well. Thank you for on the ball off the ball network for giving us the platform to uh, you know share this as well. Um, and thank you for everybody who's tuning in, that's listening, that commented. Father said, "Nice job, sir." Don't know if you talking to me or if you're talking to you because <laughs> sometimes yeah you like to play around with me but um other than that like i said i hope everybody you know enjoy the day definitely check out um all of mr lemon's work all of his upcoming um you know interviews and everything and look at athlete you know athletes unheard just resources and everything everything that you're doing over there they're doing amazing work um and again appreciate you for hopping on the podcast and talking with me yes sir appreciate it bro all right hope everybody has a great rest of their day and uh, we'll see you next time